This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers and Bengals round two, baby. Ding, ding. Ring the bell. Steelers need to get some revenge on their um, little brother from Ohio. The Steelers had won, or the Bengals had just won 11 of the previous 45 of these matchups between the Steelers and Cincy. The Steelers had won 11 straight until that fateful Monday night game in 2020 when Ryan Finley came in and beat the Steelers. Well, Joseph Burrow took the baton from him and beat them in the first game of the season this year. So the Bengals, the Bengals are now on a the Bengals are now on a two-game winning streak against your Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's take a close look at those Cincy Bengals, who have been probably the surprise of the NFL for the 2021 season. One thing that jumps out to me immediately with this team, immediately. Okay. They're 28th in the league as far as snaps per game on offense is concerned. They average about 61 snaps per game. It's not that great. Mm -mm. But with those snaps, they generate .439 points per snap. That puts them in a class with teams like Buffalo, Tampa Bay, and Indianapolis. Buffalo and Tampa, we know. Juggernauts on offense, we knew that heading into this season. Indy, you'd think, well, maybe that's weird until you remember that Indy's probably the hottest team in football, if not the hottest team in football right now. I give that to the Patriots, but they're close behind. They're right there, Mm -hmm. especially offensively with that molly whopping they put on the Bills this weekend. So even though they don't snap the ball a lot and they're in the middle of the pack as as far as time of possession is concerned, this Bengals offense is one of the most efficient at scoring in football, man, and they'll do it in a bunch of different ways. They have 14 touchdowns outside of the red zone. That's the most in the NFL, so they'll hit you with the home run ball, and they're 69% of the time putting the ball in the end zone once they get into the red zone. So this offense is, I don't think, ready to be called elite just yet, but it certainly is very efficient already. Of course it is. This is a team that took a gamble. I think a lot of other teams would like to label the move on when they went out and drafted Jamar Chase, right? There was the the stars were aligned for the Bengals to go out and get the protection that Joe Burrow needed. We had said going into the season, there were two things that the Bengals needed to tie up on. That was protecting Joe Burrow. And that was bolstering up their defense because equally they were pretty bad. And excuse me, Penny Sewell was sitting there, right at number five for them to take. And they passed. They went with LSU teammate of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and everyone and their mother thought, what a bungle move. You had a potential, the, 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 highest, the highest touted offensive lineman coming out of college, and I don't even know how long. This guy is that good, or this guy was that good at Oregon. So good that I couldn't even tell you the next closest O-lineman in the draft in the last 15 years compared to him, the amount of um, hype and the amount of pedigree he had coming out of Oregon. I I could not tell you the second closest guy because it's basically a race for number two, and that race is a far ways behind uh, the credence that that Penny Sewell had. And they passed. They went with Jamar Chase, and it looks like it's the right move to him to be made because the offensive line right now is playing decently well. The defense is surprising everyone. And the three-headed monster that is Joe Burrow, 
Jamar Chase, and Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon had a really mediocre average season last year. He is on the upswing this year. That guy just does not go down. And look to the <clears throat> Pittsburgh Steelers game earlier this year in week three. He had a great game against them, and ever since, he's just been dominating defenses, and he's looked like the Joe Mixon of, of young. Uh, and that offense, as you said, Tom, is just really, really firing on, on all cylinders. They are. The one thing they still need to improve on, though, is the protection of Joe Burrow. He gets sacked about two and a half ga- times per game, sure, so it's not it's great. Not, it's not something that is is killing them. No, it's not, and he's really good at masking their inefficient play on the offensive line because he's really good at doing what Herbert does. Not run for 40 yards like Herbert does, but having the pocket he'll scramble for five or six yards. He'll, he'll be able to manipulate a pocket and get away from a pass rush. The move that they made by taking Jamar Chase really reminds me of the move that the Steelers made taking Najee Harris. There was all this talk about you never, you never go here. If you have this offensive lineman available to you, you have to give that protection to your quarterback. And both teams didn't. And I think both teams are very happy with the moves that they made. I know the Steelers fans are extremely critical of the offensive line play, and rightfully so. But none of them would trade Najee. No, I don't I, I don't know anyone who no. would still trade Najee in, in their right mind who would say, you, you have to take just an, a, a random offensive lineman over Najee Harris. I wouldn't take Penny Sewell over Najee Harris. Joe Burrow on this season is completing 68.3% of his passes. That puts him in a class with guys like Kyler Murray, Mac Jones, and Dak Prescott. Mac Jones, that guy's a freak, man. He shouldn't be completing that many passes as a rookie. Uh, He averages 8.4 yards per pass attempt. Joe Burrow does. That is second best in the league with Kyler Murray. So, Jacob, not only is he towards the top as far as completing his passes are concerned, but he's also throwing the ball down the field more than any other quarterback other than Kyler Murray is. Well, yeah, so, I, mean, be, I would be too if I had someone like Jamar Chase available. But it's me. phenomenal to be pushing the ball that deep down the field and have that high of a completion percentage. You know, Drew Brees, the king of completion percentage, especially later in his career, he had a 71 72% completion percentage, but his passes would travel five, six yards mm-hmm. past the line of scrimmage. Bro's throwing it almost nine yards past the line of scrimmage and completing it almost seven out of ten times. I mean, guy's a stud. Guy has 11 interceptions because he does like to throw that ball into some tight windows, and I think he's got a little gunslinger in him. But, I mean, based on the past two quarterbacks you've seen these past two weeks, Herbert to Burrow, they're going to be right there with Mahomes for a long time at the top of the AFC. Oh, of course. I think that both teams, it's so hard to get the right guy, and I think both teams found the right guy. And... These are teams, well, not so much the Chargers. The Chargers were always floating around 500 with Phillip Rivers, and there was a state of uncertainty what's going to happen once he's gone. They just did not have an offseason with a quarterback. The Bengals, however, this is probably their best quarterback since Carson Palmer, right? Because yeah. I don't think any of us ever took Andy Dalton that seriously. And whoever the guy, I, don't, I, I could not tell you the names of the guys. No, they were just a revolving who came door. came in. After Andy Dalton and before Joe Burrow, I I really the only one I know is Ryan Finley because he's the one who beat the Steelers. Uh, on top of that, I don't remember who came in after Carson Palmer in between. In between Dalton. him and Dalton, yeah, I mean that's just nameless there. But yeah, he is the best quarterback pedigree wise they've had since Carson Palmer. His pedigree, I think, is better than Carson Palmer's as well. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, I do. Oh, okay, okay. Well, he had the better season, but Carson Palmer, also the number one overall pick, came from a big school at USC, 
Yeah, Ties, everything. All the, the, the bo- all the boxes you check for Carson, I'm checking for Joe, and then some though. Like, that's fair. Like, that's fair. And but I just let's not let's not forget what Carson Palmer was coming out of USC. We can forget what Carson okay. Palmer was. Who cares? I mean, it's been like 15 years. Yeah, so. who cares anymore? Uh, in his first outing against the Steelers, Burrow only threw for 172 yards, but the key there was the Bengals were able to keep him upright. He only got sacked once against the Steelers. Steelers averaging 2.8 sacks per game. TJ Watt wasn't in the game though against the Bengals. So you got to take that with a grain of salt that they were able to keep Burrow upright. So if TJ Watt returns this week, and I think we're all hopeful that he will, probably a different story as far as that offensive line is concerned. Not only that, but Cam Hayward was not playing at the level he was playing at now in week three. No. I, I think overall he's been consistently great, but it's it's pretty obvious he's just getting better and better week by week as the season goes on. Yeah, and and so that was in week three. So there, you can't tell me he, even though he's been great all year long, that he was as great in week three as he's going to be in week twelve. One thing that they did really well against the Steelers in the first game, though, was Joe Mixon ran for ninety yards. Not amazing, but he had a good go of it on the ground. Mixon's found the end zone in seven straight games this year. He's got nine rushing touchdowns on the season. Um, Last week against the Raiders, he ran for 123 yards. It was actually the first time in Burrow's career as a starter for the Bengals that the Bengals ran for more yards than they threw for in a game last week against Mm -hmm. the Raiders. So Mixon's really coming into his own. One of the most skilled running backs, I think, in the NFL. Really underrated. 789 and some change yards on the ground so far this year. Like I said, nine touchdowns. and It's a matchup made in heaven, honestly, if you're the Bengals, because I think with all that offensive firepower, those great receivers, Uzama's a great tight end. Not great. He's a good tight end. Uh, and Joe Burrow is a good to trending great quarterback in this league. You know, I think they're the best version of themselves when they channel things through Joe Mixon. And they've been doing that lately, especially against the Raiders to get back on track, and it worked. But Steelers average giving up 126 yards per game on the ground. And as far as ten, or as far as yards uh, or runs of 10 or more yards on the ground, the Steelers give up about 4.1 of those per game. So they give up a lot on the ground, big plays on the ground. So I would be licking my chops if I was Joe Mixon. And if I was the Bengals OC, Zach Taylor, the head coach, I'd be saying, we're going to use Mixon as the the focal point of this offense this week against Pittsburgh because i got to be honest with you guys. I know this is a little hard to believe thinking of a steel curtain Pittsburgh defense, but these, it's not, it is not a steel curtain. These guys can't stop the it run. Is, it is something you buy at Walmart for about three bucks when you first move. It's a shower when you, curtain. When you move in, yes. It's the shower curtain. When you move into curtain. your first apartment, you just need some type of sun blockage to fill in while you get your real curtain. That's what you get. It's the shower curtain. Sure. So this defense yeah. is a shower curtain. It's loose. It's flimsy. It's terrible against stopping the run, and that's what I would focus on if I was you know what's You know what's hilarious to me Tom is the fact that it wouldn't shock me if Zach Taylor's having that conversation with his team saying you gotta he run better. the ball you gotta run the ball he better be cause you know why it's funny to me because I don't know if at any point when the Steelers went up against the Detroit Lions when they went up against the LA Chargers that Matt Canada said hey we gotta run the I ball. think we should run the ball against these really bad rush defenses well they certainly should have and that's a conversation yeah, for another did. episode. Yeah, they did not. Um, but the run also sets up so much in that passing game for the Bengals. And Jamar Chase is nothing but a home run hitter. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what he brings to the table. Of course, he's got great hands, and he can do a variety of different things on the field. But I think his penchant for the big play 
It's what's going to make him a huge star in this league. We're heading towards a, a league where the two best wide receivers were teammates at LSU, and the best quarterback was the guy throwing them the ball at LSU. I mean, not only was that LSU college team maybe the best college football team to ever be assembled, but it's going to yield potentially the best at their position groups in two wide receivers and a quarterback. I mean, at the NFL level, Jefferson's a freak. Chase is right there with him. It may be better than Jefferson. It's just insane, yeah. but it's just but insane. The fact that two of those three guys are playing on the same NFL team. Yeah, it's it's awesome Especially connection for their the youth. It's not like when, looking back to a previous LSU team, when OBJ and Jarvis Landry uh, reunited in Cleveland, those guys had been around for a while. It was un- Jarvis Landry wasn't really anything special when he was in Miami, and then he went to Cleveland. OBJ was a big head-scratcher when he went to Cleveland, and now we know how that era turned out for him. But this is a, an entirely different thing. No, it is, and they get to grow together. They get to right. develop their chemistry together, the chemistry that, mind you, they already had because of those times spent at LSU when they were a great one-two punch there. But uh, Jamar Chase is just an absolute stud. Um, you know, I, the Bengals have one of the better receiving cores in all of football, and I think Boyd and Higgins are really, really strong wideouts that can beat you if they're the guy who, you know, gets the most targets in a game. But Jamar Chase has already separated himself immensely from that wide receiver room as the lead dog. And, I mean, as far as the NFL is concerned, like we just said, he's separating himself into the elite category already there. But he's clearly become the number one guy. I mean, he averages 18.4 yards per catch. I mean, it's nothing but big I'd plays I'd like for to know guy. what that number is when it's only concentrated on touchdowns. I don't know. Because I, I feel I, like I, it's, it's even bigger than 18. I guarantee you the 14 outside of the red zone touchdowns the Bengals have scored, he's doing a lot of heavy lifting there. 14, it wouldn't shock me if seven of them. Are he's got eight total, so it might be something around I mean, I, I, I don't know, Tom, a, a short yardage touchdown scored by Jamar Chase. Yeah, I know he. I actually know he got one last this past week, week. Yeah, yeah, this past but week. But the beauty about that was it was a great catch in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't not even though it wasn't a home run, it still was a highlight real play because sure. he got his feet down. It was a it great good pass like from the, Burrow. It was like the James Washington touchdown against Detroit two weeks ago. Wide, just wide open. Just wide open. No one there. No, Jamar Chase had to work a little bit for this one and. He's the guy that scares you in this game because he he hit the home run against the Steelers last time these two met, and the Steelers secondary has been pretty pedestrian of late, especially if Hayden and Minka can't come back. I think we're expecting Minka to come I back and is, Hayden is too. I, I'm hopeful for Hayden too. But, but the thing is with Hayden is he's not going to be a hundred percent. He's coming back from an injury, and you never know with Minka either because with yeah. COVID you might you know feel a little fatigue there. You know, it might be tougher to. We've and we've seen and it's been pointed out on on SNR before that the COVID thing is not the easiest thing to come back from. Matt Williamson has pointed out when Cam came back, he was a different player. When Miles Garrett came back last year, he was a different player. Von Miller was different when he came back last year. Yeah. He complained a lot about how he couldn't get his breath. Um, even, this is a retired player, but Tony Baselli, great player for the Jaguars. I think he's in the Hall of Fame, actually. If not, you know what? He should be. That's how you I save I don't your, think he is. That's how you I save yourself. Think, I don't think there are any Jaguars in there. That's how you save yourself. If he's not, he should be in the Hall sure. of Fame. It's a disgrace that he's not. But he got COVID, and I know he's an ex-athlete, but he still keeps in shape. I mean, he's still, you know, he's doing the Fanica thing where he slims down, bulks up mm-hmm. as an ex-lineman. 
but he's been on interviews because he's in the media now and I've heard him say, you know, I got COVID last year and I still feel shortness of breath sometimes. I still feel a little bit of fatigue a, a year later. So even though they're back to playing ability, it doesn't mean that they're back to 100% um, physical health. So you have both guys coming back for different reasons. Against they, maybe the best receiving core in football. And they could both be not at 100% because of it. And it scares the hell out of me because I think oh, Jamar yeah. Chase could be running wild. Because I think one thing that's key with Jamar Chase is, yes, I think you drop him into Washington. You drop him into uh, Jacksonville in New York. I think he still puts up pretty good numbers this year because I think he's that great. But the fact that he's got Burrow, A, and the fact that he's got two really good receivers around him that can help take some of that pressure off of him, it's just a perfect storm that's happening right now with him. Because if it was just Chase and Burrow, I Everyone's think— Everyone's playing they, for Jamar Chase. Exactly, but you can't because Burrow will go to Boyd, he'll go to Higgins, and they'll be able to beat you on their own. Not so, only that, but you can use, use Joe Mixon also. And you can use Uzoma, who they have a lot, and he's— He's, he's hot and big games. he's hot and cold, but yeah, yeah, he's had big, big games. So, if you take away Chase, Burrow's going to say thank you because he's got two other guys and Mixon out of the backfield that he's more than comfortable with feeding ten targets a game and and still getting production out of them. And I'll, I've point I've made this point on this show before. It's not not always just the guy you least expect, but there's always some guy who is just is not the biggest name on the team that's the biggest detriment to the Steelers. Iguabuke last last week against the Lions, or I guess now two weeks ago, um, A.J. Dillon from the Packers, Randall Cobb from the Packers. Last week, Mike Williams hadn't scored a touchdown, I think, for five straight weeks, six straight weeks. What does he do? Gets the go-ahead, 50-yard touchdown reception uh, with just over two minutes to go. It's, it's always these guys who aren't – aren't target A or aren't option A that are the real backbreakers for the Steelers. So if it's not Jamar Chase, it wouldn't shock me if it's Uzoma has Uzoma's this week. Or if it's T. Higgins or if it's Tyler Boyd. It, it won't shock me at all. Well, I'll tell you this right now. If I was game planning against the Steelers defense, it'd be a lot of Uzoma. It'd be a lot of uh, Mixon if it's not Chase, Higgins, or Boyd because well, – get- You know why? Tell me. I know you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. It's because the two worst players on this defense right now are, are Joe Schobert and Devin Bush. Yep. And guess how you explode those guys? With short passes up the middle to your running backs and tight ends. How many times did you see Bush on Eckler's hip? Ugh. Two steps behind him against the Chargers, and Eckler went off in that football. Almost game. every time Eckler got the ball out of uh, when, when the ball was passed to him, almost every time. There's another play later in the game when I think it was on the drive that Mike Williams eventually scored, but there was a play to get a first down, and Eckler caught it, easy turn up the field, an extra ten yards, and I just remember looking to myself and under my breath, being like Bush, because I just see fifty five yeah, in trail, behind, right in uh, trail, running, running behind him, right? yeah, yeah, trying to exactly. catch him. That play that stuck out to me, and then I, I don't know which touchdown run it was for Eckler, because he had so many, he had four, right? Three yeah, maybe four total touchdowns, four total, two on the ground, two in but the air. But all of them came in the red zone. All of them were were short yardage situations. But the one was just how he was, he being Devin Bush, just completely incapable of getting. No, I want block. I want Joe Main mixing all over Devin Bush in this game. I That's want ma- I want matchups that-, that match them up. I want a motion mixing out so Bush has to take him, and I think you win that nine times out of ten. Yeah, I mean I couldn't agree with you more. That should absolutely be the meetings that they're having in Cincinnati and, HQ this week, and per- perhaps the meetings they should be having in Steelers HQ is: Do we put a little Robert Spillane in there instead of Devin Bush? 
Oh yeah, folks. Now, oh yeah, it's it, gotten to that we point. We've had the conversation before, and we've been warming up to it. At this point, it's it's a no-brainer. It's a warming up to it, but not because I want to. I still would not like seeing Robert Splain out there, but you leave us no choice, Devin Bush. I mean, we've been trying to give you these reins all year long, and you just refuse to take them. You've been trying to give him the bene- benefit of the doubt. Yeah, the all knee. Year long. Oh, maybe he's coming back from the. It's you've, you're back from the knee now. You you are over three hundred and fifty. 365 days beyond that injury, it should have been time. On the defensive side of the ball for the Bengals, it's a unit that's way ahead of schedule. I think the reason why they're as big of a surprise this year is because their defense is playing above the heads of what people thought they'd play. Uh, The rush defense especially, only surrendering 98 yards per game on the ground. Only Tampa Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, and Tennessee are more stout against the run. Uh, in this league, and honestly, teams. So that- does that mean, Tom, if if the L.A. Chargers were the ro- worst rush defense in the league, and Najee Harris only got thirty nine yards, that he'll get nine yards against the Bengals? No, based on the Steelers and the way the NFL has gone this year, he'll get he'll get one hundred and fifty yards on the ground, another hundred on the and through mm-hmm. the air, and and the Steelers will win. But fifty five to nothing. Here is something that's going to worry people because the Steelers have chose to not run the ball as much the past couple of weeks, especially not as much as they should have. Teams that play against the Bengals only run the ball about thirty six point seven percent of their snaps. There is only three other defenses that see less run plays against them than the Bengals do. So not only are they really good against the run, but teams in general just say, you know what, screw it, we're not going to run against them. And and, and who does that better than anyone? Say the Pittsburgh screw it, we're not going to run against you. Is the Pittsburgh Steelers the defensive front for the Bengals? They rotate four guys in and out. Uh, DJ Reader is really the main guy that you have to pay attention to on that defensive front for them. But when you have a rotation of four guys and they're all productive and you don't see much of a drop-off in production and you can rotate, that's extra dangerous because not only are you going to have production, you're going to have fresh production for full 60 Mm -hmm. minutes. And that's what the Bengals can bring to the table up front. Yeah. It's it's so annoying because the last two weeks, Najee Harris should have put up over 100 yards per game well over 100 yards against the Lions and, and, and the, and the uh, Chargers. And he didn't get close. He certainly didn't get close against the Chargers. Averaged less than – or ran for less than 100 yards compared to what they average allowed on the season. So you're going up against, what, a, the top five rush defense in the league? I can't imagine Matt Canada in his meetings this week saying – well, this is the week we, we, give, we give Najee Harris this the ball. This is it. This is when Najee gets 40 carries in a single so football game. So when you game. and I are going to be working this year's postgame show as we do every week, and we're going to be hearing callers come in to talk with Stan and Charlie, you can bet your bottoms that you're going to hear a lot of people making the same complaints they've made for the last two weeks. Not enough Najee Harris. Another thing the Bengals were abysmal at last year, and they were pretty bad at defense last year, was getting pressure on the quarterback. They were one of the worst. I think they were the worst team in the NFL as far as sacks were concerned. I I, I know for a fact that they passed their sack total from 2020 in like week four or week five of the 2021 <laughs> season. So it was really tough for them last year. Uh, but they averaged 2.5 sacks per game this year. That's only 0.3 sacks less than the Steelers. They get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And... A lot of that has to go with new free agent acquisition Trey Hendrickson. 
He leads the way for the Bengals with nine and a half sacks. Defensive end Sam Hubbard has six for the silver medal as far as the team sack count is concerned. Pretty good for two guys. That's really good pressure from both of those guys. And Hendrickson, you know, he's a guy who had, I think, 10 and a half, 11 sacks with the Saints last year. I remember talking to Matt Williamson about him earlier this year, again this week during our advanced scout podcast. And Williamson was like, look, I thought good player for the Saints, but, you know, maybe a product of Cam Jordan and some of those other really good pass Mm -hmm. rushers there. He said to me around week three he thought Trey Hendrickson probably had his peak already in that he'll just have a nice career in Cincinnati from now on. And We did the advanced scout yesterday for the second Bengals round, and he was like, I think I was wrong about Trey Hendrickson. I think this guy is coming into his own as having another peak performance season right now. I mean, I think it's safe to say he's going to pass his sack total from last year, and he's doing it as the guy now, as opposed to when Cam Jordan was the guy and he was the Robin. Now Hendrickson's the Batman, and he's got a Robin and Sam Hubbard, and those two are doing a really good job of containing quarterbacks and getting pressure on quarterbacks. And again, they were missing that poor. They were missing that immensely last year. It's a completely different kind of defense when you can get pressure on a quarterback in the NFL. Of course, especially when you get that pressure on the young quarterback, who can who get, Ben is not, but still. Yeah, but I'm saying when they go up against a lot of teams, they're going up against guys who. I mean, they, they played a last-place schedule last year, so they're not going up against these great quarterbacks. Like, they're not facing, like the Steelers have to, all these first-place teams of last year. They're playing guys who are not necessarily bad, but not also the best quarterbacks you'll see. I mean, they don't they didn't have to play um, some of the guys that the Steelers had to. I mean, they're not... I'm trying to think of, of who they faced this year, but still, I think... It's been advantageous to them, the quarterbacks they've played. Let me let me go down the list here. Uh, they played Kirk Cousins, who can always get frustrated they won that game. They played a very young Justin Fields. They played an old Ben Roethlisberger, a very young Trevor Lawrence, uh, uh, Jared Goff in Detroit. Uh, uh, even though they lost the game, they played against the Jets. Uh, <laughs> and then we know what happened against the, the Browns, but I think going up against Ben Roethlisberger this week – it's going to be an interesting thing to see knowing what's going to bend first or what's going to break first, rather. Is it the the Bengals' opportunistic pass defense and their ability to sack? I mean, you said they average, what, only Two and point, a half sacks per game. Only .3, but I, I think they'll only have two less sacks on the season, less than the Pittsburgh Steelers do. No, their pressure's right there with Pittsburgh. But what will happen? Are they going to get to the quarterback? Like we've seen offenses or opposing defenses do, or will this be one of the weeks where Ben is just firing the ball too quick for them to even get to him? We will find out on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One guy I want to touch on before we wrap up, though, with the Bengals. Uh, they've been looking for a playmaker in the linebacking core ever since Vontez Perfect uh, was no more, and they might have it in Logan Wilson, a third-round pick out of Wyoming just a year or two ago. Steelers fans should be all too familiar with that. Two interceptions week three. Yep. against the Steelers in Week 3. He's one got- of them was an absolute... Christmas gift wrapped with the most decadent wrapping and a bow on top by Ben Roethlisberger. It's not even Thanksgiving yet, all right? Let's relax with that. It was a, it was a succulent Thanksgiving turkey, you mean, that Ben Roethlisberger delivered to Logan Wilson. Four interceptions total on this season for him. He leads the team in tackles. He's got a sack. He's got some tackles for losses. He's got some passes defended to go along with those four interceptions. I mean, that's playmaker right there, baby. And 
like I said, that's the kind of production they've been missing from that linebacker core ever since Burfick's been gone. And he's still young, but it looks like they have a guy that's developing into a playmaker in that second level. And he's a good complement to guys like Jesse Bates and Von Bell, who I think have that secondary on lock and have that secondary as the best unit on this defense. But, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you fell asleep at night and you woke up into the 2021 season and Bengals got two dudes in the secondary. They got a dude in Trey Hendrickson up front, and Sam Hubbard's not that bad himself. DJ Reader's not that bad either in the middle. And now you got a dude in the middle potentially in Logan Wilson. You got dudes at all three levels. Mm-hmm. This defense is developing fast. That's, what, that's it's what developing every team fast. Needs. You need at least one guy at, at every level. And the Bengals are starting to trend in that direction. And the fact that they're this far ahead of schedule tells me that next year could be, could be real... the year where it's reckoning mm-hmm. for the rest of the AFC North. Especially the Pittsburgh Steelers, given their quarterback situation next year. That'll do it for this episode and the look at the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot more Steelers and Bengals talk that we will dive right into as the week progresses before the two teams meet in Cincinnati on Sunday. But for Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Offerman. As always, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time on the next edition of the Steelers Standard.